and welcome to From Our Perspective to Therapist Moms and a Mic. I'm Claudia Glassman. And I'm Katie Truax. And today we're talking about being sensitive. Claudia, I was just curious, what would happen, what would you do if one day when you push the record button, you know how it gives me the opportunity to leave or stay? (laughs) (laughs) What would happen if I just left one day? (laughs) Oh no. Do you... Do you often question what choice you want to make when you see that come up? <laughs> like, not today. Um, well, like the, uh, thankfully, because technology is what it is, I could just delete it, call you and be like, what the fuck? And we can start over. <laughs> you just said the F word on our podcast. Oh, it's I not, love it. It's I think we should possible. leave it. Just leave it be. That's who we really are, people. We're just slowly, gradually <laughs> exposing you to our true selves. None of us been so slow. Um, it has not been a well anyway. Yeah, it's an adult podcast. So it is. And we're gonna talk about children today. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can talk about people in general. In general, yes, that's right. Um, so yeah, uh we were gonna talk about the I guess it's the personality trait of the highly sensitive person which um I think it was kind of I'm sorry I think it was kind of discovered or identified as an actual personality trait oh in the 90s like early 90s maybe okay um and it's interesting so you know you and I have conversations about kind of what we kind of call like our sensory stuff, right? Yeah. Um, But I think we might be sensitive people. I think we might be too. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I was thinking about this yesterday. Like I was on the phone. I took Ellie for a little impromptu mommy daughter shopping date. And we don't do a lot of shopping. Um, I don't particularly care for shopping for pleasure (laughs) it's not something I would like I think it's fun probably largely due to sensory input honestly but um we did uh, there one of my clients told me about this fun little store that was like 45 minutes away in this neighboring town I thought Ellie would love that and she's on winter break right now so um I was busy in the morning and then free in the afternoon so had her load up in the car and we just kind of impromptu drove down there to this little store and we're on the way back and in the car and I had to have like a little bit of a, um, a kind of a business kind of conversation with a colleague who happens to be a mom also. And she was on the beach doing, um, like her kids, she homeschools and they have a co-op and she was helping 30 children, um, make s'mores when I called. So she it seemed like didn't think anything of the fact that I had called and that we were trying to have a conversation in the midst of the sounds of the beach and 30 children and her trying to help them all not stab each other in the eyes with these sticks as they were making s'mores over a fire. And eventually I was like, do you want to call me back later? And she was like, yeah, that'd be great. So we hung up the phone and Ellie who in the back seat was like, Ooh, like that was loud mom. And I was like, yeah, that was loud. And I was thinking to myself how interesting, cause she has three children and she homeschools and, you know, has this co-op that she's affiliated with. Right. And thinking like, I wonder how much of it is what I'm used to. Right. I have one child 
typically in therapy, I see one to two people at a time, right? Like we're kind of a quiet family and like, I am used to more quiet. And then this other mom was non phased by all this background noise and trying to have a conversation with me while 17,000 other things were going on. And I thought, I wonder how much of that is personality and how much of that is like what she has gotten used to. She's also a bit younger than I am too. So I also wonder about the impact of age. I figure in the next 10 years, I'll probably have to walk around with headphones on or something, but. Um. <laughs> mm. Well, I would also argue that it is possible that your environment is the way it is because that is what yeah. you've curated because it suits you better. So there's actually, you can pop on, there's a, um, there's actually a highly sensitive person assessment. Again, this is looking at a personality trait, meaning this is like who you are genetically, right? Also thinking about if that's the case, right? Who else in your family has this trait and it may look mm. different, but um, not a disorder, not a sensory input problem, not autism spectrum disorder, not right. All these other yeah. things. This is a personality trait. So if you go to hsperson.com, you can actually take the assessment. It is a 28 item checklist and it basically tallies how many things you endorsed. Um, so I, I took it last week. Um, so according to the test, if you have 14, if you have endorsed 14 or more, you are considered, you have this highly, sens per highly sensitive person trait. Um, however, if you endorse fewer than that, but the things you endorsed are like highly impactful or very strong, you, you can kind of be on the cusp there. I love this. So I actually didn't, I only got an 11. Although when I told Adam that he's like, I think you should retake the test um, <laughs> because I'm at dinner complaining about the noise, the smell of something. He's like, oh my God. Right. Because it is. So the way I'll describe it is kind of the way you were describing it, Katie, is like, for example, you, the person on the phone with you was able to focus on the conversation and maybe heard everything else going on as like a background hum, right? What you were hearing was the conversation you were in, the, the words that the people and the kids in the room were saying, the sticks being flung, the sound of this, the sound of that, right? Like all of that's coming at you. So um, there is, an, a, I guess, a lot more um, sensory stimuli get picked up, right? Mm -hmm. And um, also emotional stimuli and for some people, physical stimuli, right? Like more awareness of physical discomfort in your body or what's happening physiologically, right? Mm -hmm. um, experiencing emotions maybe more intensely than someone else, you know, in kids, these kids are the ones that you might have tantrums from for no reason, mm -hmm. right. Or no reason that you can identify, right. Transitioning and changing of plans can be difficult, um, unless you are the executor of the changes, mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So this is the yeah. thing that's interesting is like, I did something the other day, which kind of highlights this too. Uh, so I was complaining about noises during dinner because everyone was like chaotic. And I was like, this is a lot for me right now. Um, and then I, I made a loud noise. Everyone's like, well, but, but you just made noise. I'm like, yeah, but I made the noise. It doesn't bother right. me when I do it. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> it bothers me when you do it, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I, I, I think about this and what I kind of want to talk about the topic is because it impacts so much of your life. Like if you are a highly sensitive person, right? It's not just like your, your environment that gets impacted, but it's your relationships. It's, um, you know, your ability to, to manage certain situations. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're a child, right. It think about how much, how assaulting school can be on your senses, Right. right? Like there's noises, there's smells, there's kids talking, there's people touching you, there's space that's getting invaded. And then you have a massive meltdown and it's like, because you just short circuited, you know? Um, I think that's why Ellie did not do well in the public um, school system down here. When we moved, we moved from, um, we moved her from a really kind of low stimuli environment where she the school she was at in Georgia um ton like very like no lights except for little tiny fairy lights or like little tiny um string lights or but like battery operated little candles they had in the classrooms and then big picture windows lots of natural light and they would go outside and they cleaned with all natural materials and all of the even the furnishings were natural materials so not a lot of the bold primary plastic colors right like everything was wood or um you know cotton or fabric of some sort and she loved going there and then came here and the public school system is really well reputed here and everybody sung the praises of the preschool and she literally had a meltdown every single day at least either before or after school and if not both and she would at this time she was four so she didn't know what to do with her body and would just kick the back of my seat and scream and holler we would have to pull over every day on the way home from school because it wasn't safe for me to drive her and she would say things like mommy this is the worst activity you ever signed me up for and I'm like <laughs> oh God, like we have so much ahead of us here you know mm-hmm. and then we ended up actually she asked us to homeschool and we did that for two years until um there's a private school here locally that I started at that point at second grade and we kind of had that in our sights for her a different environment but similar in the sense of smaller class sizes natural materials natural cleaning supplies lots of outside time um the kids sit on couches rather than you know at cold desks and so forth and so on so um and she's done great there but I'm convinced that that is why she did not do well at the other you know, in the other setting, I think it was too much sensory input. Yeah. Because if you experience your, if you're more, um, aware of all the sensory things around you and you're trying Mm -hmm. to metabolize them, it can feel really overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So apparently this trait is found in 15 to 20% of the population. So it's not the norm, but it's significant enough that enough people have this trait, right? I kind of was wondering, as I was thinking, diving into this a little bit, I'm like, I wonder how many of my clients, right? Those that seek therapy, I wonder if that number, Mm -hmm. if like the clinical population is a little higher. Like, actually I did this, this, um, training on it. And then I, um, 
I talked to a client and she was like, oh my God, that's me. I'm like, I know. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah. we'll see where it kind of goes, but, um, Again, it is a trait. Oh, it's actually also found, this is fascinating. I thought this was fascinating. Um, it's found in other species. Really? Well. So animals, fish, dogs, cats, horses, monkeys, you name it. Um, there are these, there are um, members of the species that are more highly sensitive, which makes sense. We kind of talked about this with anxiety too. Like you almost need some of your population to be acutely aware of multiple Mm -hmm. environmental inputs at once right because that can be a protective factor if those members alert the others that are like oblivious and hear nothing right mm -hmm. um so people with this trait are more aware of subtleties subtleties in the environment right kind of where I, like if you're in a restaurant one person may hear just like the hum of conversation the highly sensitive person hears like the 101 various conversations going on all at the same time right? It's like a more fine-tuned yeah. experience of the environment, which also leads them to become more easily overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's equal amounts of introverts and extroverts, which is mm, interesting. That's so interesting. Yeah. Because you would think that, I can imagine that one might assume this is more of an introverted trait rather than an extroverted trait, but yeah, not so. Not necessarily so. <laughs> um. Now, how they approach relationships may be different, right? Because the highly sensitive person also does more, um, I think, scanning and assessing of the environment mm -hmm. and a lot more processing before taking action because there's so much input coming in that like they may not be quick to take action, <laughs> but when they do, it'll be like a well thought out action to execute, right? Um, and then I also found it kind of interesting thinking about how valued this trait is. And one of the things that came up is culturally, the trait is valued differently. So there's certain cultures where a highly sensitive person is highly valued. Whereas in our culture, I don't know if people are like, oh, you're sensitive. That's a great quality, you know? No. <laughs> um, no, I think, I think maybe the opposite in this culture. I mean, I feel as though, and I think we've talked about this in the past. I can't remember what the topic was that we discussed, but this has come up and we, we talked about how, like, I think I had read a blog post on this topic and um, was happy with it for the first time. I was happy with the way I saw this written about, because I think that the word sensitive carries such a negative connotation in our culture yes just in general right and um I was looking through and actually did the test while you were kind of introducing some of these concepts I got a 17 <laughs> mm -hmm. um but I purposely there's several that are on the fence that I did not check yes to so I maybe could go either way on a few but um I um I totally lost my train of thought that's what I did <laughs> sensitive the word sensitive I don't know. I lost it. It's gone. Sorry. You were saying how it's um, <laughs> too much input. You were saying how it's described, right? And and that it's there's negative connotations to it. Yeah, like you're so sensitive. Part. You're so sensitive, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I know what I was thinking. Some of the questions were about 
um, enjoying the arts, right? And being moved by music and art, visual art and so forth and so on, which is a beautiful thing, right? As having a, a sensitive side, right? Or being a sensitive human to beauty is kind of like um, revered in our culture, right? Like you kind of, you want to be able to cry at the Hallmark movies <laughs> and then, but, but not to have a meltdown in your kitchen when your children are throwing things at one another and the TV's on and the water's boiling and your husband comes and wants to like snuggle. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but I think it's one and the same. And, and to your point of, you know, yes, is our perspective skewed? I've seen so many people over the years come in and sit on my couch who have come in because they thought they had anxiety mm. or they thought they, um, you know, in the, in the context of couples therapy, right. One couple, one partner was controlling or demanding around the way the home was kept. Um, or one partner was avoidant of touch or connection at the end of a day right? Where when we really truly whittled it down, it wasn't any of those things. It was more the sensory sensitivity. And that yeah. if we could turn the dial down or build in some buffers around the sensory input and the processing ability, then all of a sudden the person was voila, just fine, right? And how normalizing it's been to see people shift from that kind of pathology to being like, oh, wait, it's just that I'm more sensitive to input to my nervous system from my five senses. Yes. And then I think too, for me personally, and I think I've seen this echoed in clients as well. My internal system is like mm, a whole other sense, if you will. Right. So any of the the thoughts that I'm having in my head or whatever I'm considering at the moment, whether it's negative, positive or neutral, doesn't matter to me. That's like a seventh or sixth sense almost, right? So we've got sight, sound, touch, taste, smell. And then I know for me, I am a lot more sensitive coming into any situation if I have a lot on my mind. Yeah. Sure. Even though well, it's not really auditory, right? I'm not hearing things, right? It's not technically like it's I'm still like, input, but it's input, right? It, it is right. Input. Even though it's not a sensory thing per se. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, I was having a conversation about this recently and I think a lot of people can feel like this, especially if you identify as this kind of like highly sensitive person is like, what's wrong with me? Because there is an awareness, right? That like my reaction is more than that person's. Like that person's not hearing that or that person's not bothered by all this change in schedule, but I am about to jump out of my own skin, mm -hmm. right? And there's this idea of like, well, what's wrong with me, right? And and the point is nothing, right? It's, it's not a disorder. It is, you respond differently to the environment. You're again, more sensitive to the environment. You're, um, you just, and the conversation ended up having was you, given that this is how you operate, it's finding strategies to manage a world that may not support the way you operate all the time. Yeah. Right. And, 
having empathy with yourself. Like, I don't feel bad when I'm touched out for the day. And I'm like, I need five minutes. Like everyone needs to give me space. Right. I don't feel bad about that. I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm just saying like, I need space. The interesting thing is I think you also start to, I don't know, maybe this isn't true for you, but I start to find little nuances. Like the other day, my kids love to snuggle after dinner, but like, I just ate, it's been a busy day. And and like, I don't want someone like on me after I eat. I don't know why they've been like that since they were little. I'm like, Oh, don't sit on me. Like I just ate, like, I don't know. But what I have found is I, there is a difference. I think this is to do with like the, the control aspect of these highly sensitive persons. So again, if you are in control of it, it is a little less bothersome for you. Mm-hmm. You're the one making noise. If you're the one initiating touch, if you're the one, right. And so I have found that I'll say, you know, give me a second and I can pretty quickly, like I can hug them, but if they hug me, it feels different. Yeah. So I have found ways to um, meet the needs of others just by switching when I'm in control and when I'm not. Yeah. Right. So it's like, can you just stand right here? I'll give you a hug and then I can initiate. Uh-huh. Somehow that bothers my system less, maybe because I'm preparing mm-hmm. for that or the control is within me to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really interesting because as I kind of navigate, I'm like, there's really subtle ways I think you can manage situations to feel less overwhelming. Yeah. I mean, definitely. It's interesting. And some of the things on the inventory, I found myself like um, thinking about it in the opposite way. So for example, like that concept you brought up a moment ago of like being acutely aware of the environment, I would say I probably have learned to accommodate for this myself with the opposite, almost as if I um, am so... I I narrow my focus to cope Yeah, where I try to keep my, and I think now at this stage in my life, it's not even an an intentional thing, but just a default. But I, I focus fairly solely on me and what is right in front of me. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm not, maybe aware enough of what's going on around me, but that that's, I think of a protective mechanism for me. It almost creates what little buffer I can create when I'm out in the world that I can't control, right? Where, you know, if I'm out running errands or shopping, we just mentioned, I don't care to shop, right? Uh, you know, or even moving from one place to the other, from the car into a space or from a space into another space that I I'm solely focused really on like what's right in front of me and what I'm doing and a lot less about the environment as a whole. And I think that's probably a protective mechanism for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the way you kind of filtered out. Yeah. The chaos. Almost like a horse with blinders on. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of individual differences here, right? Yeah. Well, and right, you might, so because if you go through the inventory, you'll see this, right? But some of it focuses on um, like emotion, some of it focuses on sensory, like there may be areas that you respond more to than another one, right? Because that sensitivity may look different. Like the items you endorsed as being true for you may not be the same ones that are true for me. Like it may manifest differently for each of us. Right. Yeah. 
And I think you you kind of, you know, talked about this a few minutes ago, but I do think it gets misinterpreted as anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember trying to think, like, maybe, maybe it's sensory overload you're experiencing and not actual anxiety. Because again, your nervous mm-hmm. system is reacting to all of this input, right? And so it's easy to say, well, what's that about? I must be anxious. Right. Right. Um, or, or another one is like a control freak, right? When, when yeah. like, oh, turn the volume down or turn the lights down. Or like you said, like, no, I'll, I'll hug you. You know, it's like, well, golly, like loosen up, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yes. it doesn't feel like a choice really to, to most of us. It doesn't feel like a choice. It feels like um, needing water when you're thirsty or you know, a Band-Aid to stop the bleeding or, you know, something equally as like necessary. We have to turn the lights down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think about this in parenting and mm. how it comes up, right? Like if it shows up as defiance, you know, you're trying to take your kid mm-hmm. to the grocery store with you and they're having an epic freaking meltdown. They don't want right. to go, right? Because yeah. grocery stores are intense places, you know? Yeah. Um, like I remember a couple of weeks ago, Kenzie had to go to the orthodontist and I was like, okay, we have to go. I told her about the appointment days before it came time to leave. And she was like, no. And in tears. And I'm like, get in the car. No, it wasn't a, a, a sensitivity thing. Right. But it was fear of the appointment. Like she was so scared to go that now she just became defiant. Yeah. But it wasn't defiance for the sake of not wanting to be cooperative. It was like, I'm so scared. Right. But for mm-hmm. a highly sensitive child, I'm so overwhelmed. Right. Right. I, 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 I can't go in there. I can't do this. I can't, but th- not having the words for it. Right. Not having the ability to express what you're experiencing. Yeah. Um, and well, kids- I mean, dentist offices or doc, I mean, doctor's offices, dentist offices talk about there's fluorescent lights, there's loud noises, right? There's people touching you and poking you and prodding you. And it's often not areas that feel comfortable to be touched, poked and prodded in, yes. you know, and it's fast sometimes, right? There's, there's often, come on in, sit down. Okay. Bah, 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 right. Time to go. And mm-hmm. there's a lot happening there to her defense, you know? Yeah. Regardless yeah. if they're going to tell you whether or not you need a tooth pulled or braces or palate expander. Uh, right. Well, no, yeah, I'm nothing, you know, fun ever happens, but yeah, it's, it's, but it's, it's being aware, you know, if you're a parent of a child, right. And if, if, <laughs> if you happen to be a highly sensitive person and you have a highly <laughs> sensitive child, yeah, right. Can be, can be a challenge, but um, there is actually on this um, hsperson.com. Is that what I said it was? Yeah. HSperson.com. HSperson.com. There is also for parents to do an assessment for kids um, that is to be filled out by the parent. Um, They do not have an adolescent one yet, but I've heard they are working on one for adolescents, which will probably be pretty similar to the adult one. Um, But also you can take it to see if your kid kind of seems to be one because I think yeah I mean I have kids come into my office right and sometimes it is they're defiant or they're having issues at school you know and we talked about how you've been able to create an environment that gives you peace and works for you Mm -hmm. and your sensitivities but children don't always have that luxury they get sent to places (laughs) because they have to go and it may not 
right? It may be overwhelmed, whether it's that after school meltdown, we used to have mm -hmm. a lot of those, especially when they were littler. Some of that's age appropriate and normal, but if your child is getting older and still having those, mm -hmm. those like after school letdowns, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It may have been an intense day. Yeah. And it may be helping them find ways to, to calm the nervous system and regroup at school. Yeah. Um, you know, my kid's school is great because they have a lot of freedom to move. Mm -hmm. So they can go outside at like any time yeah. to do work out there or jumping jacks or just stand there and stare at the wall or whatever. Yeah. But there's opportunities for them to, to um, shift and come back if they need. Um, you know, it's not surprising that highly sensitive people enjoy nature. Yeah. They tend to be, you know, they tend to enjoy nature and animals and things that are grounding, right? And kind of peaceful. Um, so, you know, if you're sensitive or your kid's sensitive, getting them out in nature. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, for me, Again, I did not actually qualify. And as I talk about it, I'm like, that's, I, I really should retake this. I remember going on vacation and we were in a, in a, in a very nature driven vacation. And then we went to a city. Mm. I was so agitated that it was yeah. like, like visceral. Like I could feel it in every ounce of me. My family was like, what is wrong with her? She's so grumpy. And, um, Adam had said like, I'm taking you into nature today. Like we're going to leave the city and we did this yeah. like treetops thing and we went to some trees and we did the nature, you know, because I was like, I need a tree. Like, right. <laughs> um, and I had to reset and, and I don't hate cities, um, but the, I need to transition. And this is the other thing, right? There needs to be a transition. So whether it's your child or yourself to mm -hmm. understand that maybe you're not as, um, you, you need to give yourself more transition time. You can't just switch gears quickly like someone else might. Yeah. Um, totally. And there's no curing it. This is for this specific thing. It's a personality traits, right? So this is how you're wired. This is how you experience the world. And I think it's really coming up with coping skills and strategies and ways feel balanced in the world, just like someone else who's very um, sensory seeking will do the same, right? They're doing the opposite. They're seeking the stimulation. They want more yeah. of sensory input and they're going to, you know, do things in life that allow them to get more feedback, get more of that sensory input. And sometimes it can be confusing, right? Cause sometimes kids do some of both or, yeah. you know, on their own terms. And when we're looking and we think, well, gosh, that can't be my kid. My kid can't be sensory seeking right she hugs so hard you know or she's so loud when she's excited or she jumps around like a little jumping bean right but then other times it seems like almost they need to kind of crawl in their little shell a little bit um or same with 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 grown-ups right like I know I'm that way sometimes I can be incredibly silly from time to time but then I would say probably like 80% of the time I'm much more peaceful and calm spirited right and um, but I can imagine that for some, if you don't understand that, what you said earlier about, well, it's on my terms, right? It depends on, you know, for me, what my day's been like. And even, gosh, probably, I'm sure, also, how well did I sleep the night before, right? How well am I fueled going into my day? Have I had enough to eat? Have I had enough water? Have I titrated out my sensory input? Have I controlled my environment, right? I mean, I run a private practice. I pretty much control 
most of my world, right? Um, On my normal days. And then, you know, throw me into a day where I have to go to meetings or manage phone calls or run a lot of errands. And then all of a sudden I'm picking up a kid who's melting down and it seems like, you know, I'm a different human, right? At the end of those days. But there, there are times when sometimes I'm loud and boisterous and other times I'm really chill and relaxed, you know? Um, and for people around us to, to try to make sense of that, right? Which yeah. of you am I getting? Which child am I getting today? Which mommy am I getting today? Which wife am I getting today? Which husband am I getting today? Which dad am I getting today? Um, and so I think one of the powerful things, right? I think to your point, right? And if we can think about what kind of takeaways can we gift our listeners with? One is doing what you can, like you mentioned, to titrate that out in your environment. I, I like to teach people that it's almost like a cumulative effect, like a scale, right? Where, you know, I can take, you know, drip, 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 drip. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, I've lost it, right? I'm over the edge. And so learning how to do two things. One, minimize the dripping in the way that you can control. So turning down the sensory input in a way you can control. If you can control the volume, turn it down. If you can control the the touch input, control that, right? Um, if you can, we joke that um, I have work jammies and home jammies. It's just, <laughs> right? <laughs> All my clothes are really, really soft and comfortable. Um, turning down the lights, turning down clutter in your environment, um, even in the car, if you can, right? And then when what you can't control, learning how to take yourself away, give yourself space, to recover, recuperate, like you mentioned, even just like five minutes after eating, that's all I need to be able to come back to the table to be touched again. Um, But knowing what that is for, for each of us, and then communicating that effectively to the people around us um, in the languaging that you guys have kind of you guys being a family system, right? If we think about it in that sense, or even if you're in a workplace, right? Whatever your your tribe, whatever languaging you've come up with to communicate to them that you need a little break, you're feeling overwhelmed, you're feeling sensory overload and need to kind of take yourself away to regroup and that you'll be back. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, I think starting that is, is not fighting it right. To recognize this is how I am. This is how I'm wired. And how do I navigate this, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's okay to self care and regroup. You know, um, there are a lot of things I say no to because, you know, for example, Wednesdays, I have long days. I'm driving all over. I'm stuck in traffic. I'm always late. If you ask me to do something on a Wednesday night, I will always say no, because it's just a very long day for me. It's a lot of stress. I'm doing a lot of peopling and I honestly like don't want to, you know, and, and it's not because I don't enjoy people's company. I want to hang out with friends. It's like, I just, I need to regroup that night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. It's halfway through the week. I've got days to go. I need to just go in my little hole and chill. Right. I don't feel bad for that anymore. I say pick a different yeah. night, <laughs> any other night, right? Um, but I do. I, I'm like you. I I manage my schedule as best as I can to to compensate for my overwhelms, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, and at the end of the day, it, yes, it's self-care, but it's also care for other people around us too. Cause I know for me, um, <laughs> you know, those memes that say like, you know, from mom to momster after <laughs> I ask you three times, like, that's how I feel with sensory stuff. I've, you know, I've learned to give my family fair warning and heads up and typically 99.999% of the time we can ward off a mommy meltdown, but like there is that whatever percentages left of that 0.01% where like, they didn't listen to me when I say I am feeling like I'm about to blow, I need a break. Right. And then I do blow and that's not pretty for anybody. I'm not proud mm -hmm. of those moments. They don't feel good in those moments. And so as a team learning how to navigate life and, and empowering and as parents to be able to recognize that this is equally as important for our children to be able to learn to say, no, I need a minute. I need to buffer. I need to break. Right. Yes, as it yes. is for us and giving them that same respect but that it's ultimately in everybody's best interest for us to be doing that rather than having the meltdowns, right? Yeah. And I, and I do agree. The more I have advocated for my own oddities, right? Um, I see it in my kids too. No, mom, I don't want to go to my a friend's house tomorrow because I feel really like wiped from the week and I just want to hang out and have some downtime. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't, they weren't born with that ability to say, I need downtime. What they hear is me saying, I need to regroup and give me five minutes. I'll be back. I'm just going to have some quiet time, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Right. Um, and I agree. It's care for your family and your friendships and your relationships, right? Like nobody wants to be around you when you're agitated and about to lose your mind. Um, that it's, it's, you know, advocating for yourself, but also recognizing that if you push too far, it is not helpful for those around mm -hmm. you. Yeah. Well, I feel like we could talk about this for days. I would love to talk about the correlation between this and stress or trauma even. I mean, I'd love to talk about this from so many different angles, how this could look like anxiety or how it could be confused with anxiety, how it shows up in couples. I wonder if we could do like a part two on this. Yeah, let's do it. We'll do part two next time, next next episode. Why not? Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it for sure. That'll be fun. It'll give our listeners something to know that we're going to come back to. And then like we always say, if you see this posted and you want to ask any questions about this or weigh in, please do. We would love that. Claudia is Mighty Oak Parenting and I am Rob and Katie Truex, T-R-U-A-X. And we're both on Facebook and Instagram and nothing else. <laughs> you can catch our spot our podcast on spotify and apple and then everywhere else podcasts are which we can't identify either <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness yeah so part two next time look at yes. us okay thank Making you everybody bye bye